Well, the grain market is kind of like that movie line, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, except in this case, it's inflation, recession, and weather, oh crap. Uh, The big news for the market today is the reported signing of an agreement between Russia and Ukraine for a humanitarian corridor to export grain out of the Black Sea region finally happened, but is it going to happen? We'll talk with Coley and Kavanaugh about that, get their perspective on everything going on in the market this past week. Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau. I've told you about this. The next farm bill coming up, Farm Bureau is right in the midst of that. Your membership supports the Farm Bureau as they send their best and brightest to all of the congressional hearings to tell the story of farming. So a Farm Bureau membership, no brainer, because it supports your local Farm Bureau and what's going on in D.C. Simply go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Well, David, let's start out with Ukraine, Russia, Turkey, and the U.N. Secretary General all got together and reportedly at this point signed a deal to resume Ukraine's Black Sea grain exports. But, David, does it really look likely that that's going to happen? No. I mean, they can sign all the papers they want to, but it's not going to move grain out of Ukraine. Their ports have all been damaged. They have to fix and repair the ports, and they have to demine the harbors. If they get to the point where they can load ships with that grain, Russia says you're not going to allow any warships to protect these ships leaving the Black Sea region. And a lot of people are saying, well, what if the Russians attack our grain ships? Because they've alluded to the fact that once they're in the international waters, we can do whatever we want to them. Now, of course, Putin was suggesting that he would want to do sanctions before he did sign this document, but apparently it's going to go ahead. But then he is delivering natural gas to Europe this time. But I'll tell you, if you talk the good talk, but there's nothing behind it to support it. Yeah, it seems like it's not really grounded in anything foundational, John. So all it really does, in my mind, is create more uncertainty in the marketplace. Oh, that's exactly right. Just additional uncertainty, just what we need. But I can't help but believe that there's some ulterior motives out here. They want sanctions reduced, and uh, so they're going to use some leverage to do that. But I just simply don't trust them. They have no incentive to go out there and help anybody else out with anything, plain and simple. One of the things that happened this week, and John, I want to try and figure out the extent to which a bad export sales report is factored into what's going on in the market. U.S. corn export commitments down 13% versus last year. And obviously, Brazil's corn prices are at a discount to U.S., and they've got a bunch of it piled up on the ground. It's just ready to go. But, John, give us your thinking on what's going on with the corn market right now and that lousy export sales report we've been getting over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's been very discouraging, hasn't it? Because number one, of course, you've got some super high prices. That's going to discourage things naturally. But the other thing is, I think a lot of it is due to China. If you go back and look at their imports of almost all commodities over the past three months, it's been below a year ago. We've talked about the economic problems in China, et cetera, and how their economy's got some serious issues. And I think we're seeing that in these export reports. They are not importing as much as they have been a year ago. Is that temporary or do we have a potential problem ahead of us for the coming year? You know, I think they love to source our grain at harvest. And typically, the big time for them is to try and cover it in the Oknovdis time period. But, you know, this last week really, really bothered me because we had 606,000 tons of corn sold. 
Japan bought only say 87.3, Mexico 38.8. I mean, there's a whole list of countries with small amounts, but unknown canceled 94.6. That was your biggest trade. It was a cancellation in the beans, <laughs> China. And beans really 485. Well, the crushers in China are losing money, so they're not buying anything. The government's not buying that much. But China did buy 285,000 tons of beans. They were your biggest buyer. And there's rumors out they're buying even more new crop beans in particular. But unknown canceled 172.9. So, hey, you take one step forward, you take two steps back. Yeah, I was pretty interested in that report that you gave this week that China is looking at seven to nine cargoes of U.S. beans. Yes, and they're trying to book it for the fall delivery. They like doing that. They like our new crop beans. That was supposed to be finalized by Friday, which we didn't hear it being finalized. But the exporter lines are all saying that China's out there buying beans from us. And we know they bought a bunch of wheat from Australia, a million metric tons, and 78 cargoes from France this week. So we know they're in a buying boat. And this will be the time they'd like to buy the wheat. So if they're going to be buying new crop beans, I'd love to see them buy that many beans. They did buy uh, one announcement made this week, 160,000 tons, I believe. But we got to do more than that to really get the eyebrows raised in Chicago. Okay, John, give us a little uh, education here. Analysts are suggesting open interest continues to plunge, bean futures testing the lows for the year, but back up at the end of the week. So that's bouncing all over like a rubber ball. Here's the question about inflation. Why is inflation weighing so heavy on this market? Well, I think it's exaggerated. I think that some of the weight we're hearing about coming from inflation is media hype, quite frankly. Of course, it's there. There's no question about that. There's a lot of reasons for it. You have to look at the situation with COVID as a major factor. You have to look at the Russia-Ukraine war is clearly a factor in the inflation. But the question is, is this just a temporary thing? It's going to correct itself like it normally does? Well, I think that's exactly right. But at the moment, I think it's getting far more precedent it deserves for affecting anything. Well, the best point was we saw the stock market coming back this last week because bank earnings were much better than expected. There were some earnings reports coming that's out. A good point. And now they're saying instead of a 1% interest increase, the Fed may only raise it a half a percent. And by golly, it's still too low. I think the interest rate should be higher. Everybody's just going, oh, my goodness, the sky is falling if we raise interest rates. If the rates come up, I think it's the best thing for our country. But look what the dollar's been doing. And it's going to go even higher. I've had some sources. One Asian source that told me they expect it to go to a dollar twenty instead of a dollar ten wow. here. And it would put the euro way, way down to 77 cents. And with all the problems they have in Europe, I'd say maybe that would be the big change here. The higher our dollar goes, the more these foreign people have to pay, but they have more, more of their currency to buy our stuff. So that's the thing to watch. It's not inflation. Watch the dollar. So inflation is going to create a lot of chicken littles. This one is not a chicken little thing, and that is the weather, David. That has really been driving the market up one day, down the next, depending on who gets rain and how much. Milder temperatures, so, you know, it's been justified over the last, what, about 14 days or so, but the 30-day forecast, and of course, you know, the 30-day forecast is subject to change, obviously, but calling for above-normal temperatures, so more hot weather, and below-normal range, so here comes Chicken Little again. But my question, David, is so that 177 yield, is that still looking fairly close? Because I'm hearing some analysts are saying, oh yeah, they're probably dropping about two bushels an acre because of the weather. Yeah, right. You know, we've been seeing Nebraska is one of the largest corn states. Kansas has been growing a lot of corn and soybeans and sorghum. And where's the heat been? Oklahoma. One day this week, every reporting station was over 100 degrees with a high temperature of 113. And the Kansas people are just yelling and screaming, I've lost about 30% of my crop. Nebraska, even though it's irrigated, I'm losing my crop too. So South Dakota. 
And so John just can't wait to rip me on this one. But I'm looking, I'm down to 171 on the corn yield. Whoa, wait a minute. Whoa. Where did that come from? Hold up. It came out of thin air. Yeah, there's no rain out there. The point is, this is why the weather keeps changing so much, is we have this dome of doom out west. It's not moving, but it's affecting all those states out there. It occasionally moves a little east, then it goes a little bit west. But you think that the heat is in place. It's so huge. It's not. There's a bigger cold mass up in Canada right now that doubles the size of the heat. And what happens is wherever the heat and cold come together, it's called the electric slide because that's where your storms were. You know what we had, you know, early Friday morning, that storm that ran through, that's all right where those two cold air and hot air masses meet up. As long as they're here, they're going to keep dumping rain on us. So we're going to see some pretty decent amounts of rain. Where's that? Indiana? Yeah. Leading corn producing state. Yes. We're looking at some decent rains. And the whole state overall is looking pretty good as far as yield goes. Same thing is true at this point with Illinois, Iowa, right there. And, and Minnesota is kind of a mixed bag, but uh, for the most part, it's doing reasonably well. Now, you're sitting here talking about taking corn production away from South Dakota. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> decent producer. I won't argue that. But Kansas and, and Oklahoma, we, you can afford losses out there and not hurt you very badly. Nebraska is 70% irrigated. Only dryland corn is getting hurt. So Nebraska comes through with a good corn crop every year, says whether it's real good or just so-so good. So I'm going to take the other side of that, David. Sit here today and start talking about a 171 yield, I think is a way premature. It could happen, but we've got even the next two to three weeks, it's going to be very crucial. And again, more rain due throughout a lot of Indiana through the weekend. And we had some rains developing in Iowa. These are your big producing corn states. Illinois is a major producer, of course, and they're doing well. I'm going to say that you're getting a little carried away, especially at this point. And I'm going to take the other side of that. I, today, I'm going to say that assuming we have good weather from here forward, we're looking at uh, 177, maybe even higher. Listen to that. He's going with 177. I'm 171. Let's see where it comes. It'll probably be in the middle of two yeah. of us. But to get the price where it is, how big of a corn crop do we have to have? And it's a lot closer to 16 billion and then 14 billion. All right, let's go with that for now. And if the price is this low going into harvest, it won't stay there very long. You know, the price of corn, new crop corn is new crop and old crop corn as far as that goes. It's dropped from recent highs in the past couple of weeks by a buck and a half a bushel. You think we're going down because we're going to have a smaller 171 yield on corn? No, it's because the market sees all the rain in the forecast in the price primary areas, and therefore that's called heavy liquidation. If the rains don't materialize, that's another ball. One of the other things, though, with the weather, David, and that is the effect on cattle. Boy, they've been so dry in the cattle country, and a lot of that, they've just been packing it up and taking it to slaughter. Yeah, I can't wait to see the biannual cattle report because, you know, it comes out at the end of July. And I can't wait to see the beef cows because they've been slaughtering them at a very, very high rate. And, you know, going forward, we're going to start seeing reduced cattle numbers. But the thing that I'm really surprised is the cattle weights are staying up. But the point is, remember what I said about a week ago? that the packers are trying to draw cattle forward even less than maturity. And I think the feedlots are saying, no, we're going to feed them a little bit heavy and try and get the advantage here to give you more tonnage and get you a cheaper beef market because you've been taking a bigger margin than you deserve. So I think the packers and the feedlots still are heads to head with each other. And it's not going to be settled anytime soon. But if the weight that we see the beef cows starting to drop, like I think in the biannual and the beef calves left for availability, these cattle prices are headed high. Well, they're already higher. Both beef and pork were up this week. 
Correct. Yes, both beef and pork doing very, very well. In fact, hogs have just gone stratospheric, exploding to the upside right now. But the biggest thing I want to stress here, again, even at these high beef prices, gentlemen, we're still seeing very strong demand for beef. For some reason, the American consumers love beef. And wait, I've had beef quite a bit lately. All right. Well, I'm sure we forgot something. And whether we want to turn it over to John Cavanaugh or not, he takes it from us, okay? He's got to have the final word. Yeah, but just keep David off that back because he took it away from me last time. Just a word on tar spot. Tar spot has been spotted in Indiana. Just two counties at this point, Jasper County in southern Indiana and Laporte in northwest Indiana. Now, will this become a major problem? Don't know. But right at the time of the year, it's during pollinations when tar spot is set to show its ugly face. And it's a serious fungus that can cause pretty significant yield losses. Now, most farmers treat with fungicides anymore. I am hearing that there is quite a few fungicides being applied this year, and certainly I'm hearing much more talk about that now than I did 10 and 12 years ago. But just wanted to make a mention, we got something else to watch here is the potential tar spot problem. Thanks, guys. How many trust that politicians understand the waters of the U.S.? WOTUS. They just don't have a clue about some of the things that are proposed that will have an impact on farming and farm families. But that's why we have the Farm Bureau, one of the best organizations to share the voice of farm families all across the U.S. Support your Farm Bureau with a membership right here in your local county by simply going online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.